Holly G with the Golf Insiders. We've been enjoying an absolute gorgeous week at the U.S. Open, the 122nd U.S. Open at the Country Club of Brookline. And it's my pleasure to introduce Davis Rowley, who is a member of the Country Club. And we're going to get some inside peek at one of the oldest country clubs in the United States, founded in 1882, and it was one of five charter clubs that founded the USGA. Davis, thanks so much for being my guest today. It's a pleasure to hear your voice and to get to know your crowd, and I'm a very lucky guy to be a member of this place, I can tell you that. Yes. Now, tell me, uh, how long have you been a member of the country club? I joined in 1985, and my father and my grandfather and my uncle were all members. I'm not sure I could get in today, but I got in then, so I'm still there. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So we've learned so much about this club over the past few days. And, of course, the historic 1913 U.S. Open won by a little-known uh, golfer, amateur golfer at the time, Francis Wimette. And that was really the beginning of our love affair in America with amateur golf. Absolutely true. It started the run on golf um, becoming very, very popular because we were once a horse track. That's what the country club was opened as. And then the members added, created six holes, I think, on their own. And then we eventually hired Willie Campbell to come over and build out all 18 holes. And there were a lot of battles before my time between the horses and the golfers early on. And the racetrack didn't go away until, I think, the 1963 Open. You have to check me on that. But the racetrack ran all the way around 18 and 1 in a circle, an oval. Um, and one time when I was a little kid, I'd gotten my license, and a friend and I snuck in the back gate and drove around the racetrack just for the hell of it and got chased out by security. But that was okay. I love it. You can still see if you look closely below 18 green and below 1 green, you can see where the oval actually ran. You can tell. And during uh, during the past championships, were there areas where it ha you crossed it? They, because it had a steeplechase as part of it too, correct? Yeah, that was yeah all over the golf course. And again, you could play you could play over the road um, and walk up when you walked up to eighteen and walked onto one green. You had to walk right across it. <laughs> so, um, and then it went finally they filled it in. But it was it's part of the history and it's fun. It sure is. So one of the the uh, signature things about the country club is it's very small greens davis small targets and a number of blind shots which makes it a very tough course to navigate today we talk so much about you know distance and these guys just you know bombing it and but this is not the kind of golf course you can do that on and we are really seeing these guys be tested we're, we're not seeing those 10 under 14 under uh, no. scores <laughs> by a long shot and uh, this is the kind of classic U.S. Open that I think most of us golfers enjoy watching it is because it's conditions they don't usually see anywhere else only at a U.S. Open you see rough to six, three to five inches, depending on first cut or primary cut. 
and they they struggle. And the greens were probably 13 yesterday. The wind was howling at up to 25 miles an hour, so they all like to hit cuts because it lands softer on a small green. But once the wind gets a hold of the ball, balls are going everywhere. <laughs> I was on 18 all day, and it's just it was wild. You're uh, marshalling probably a lot of my listeners uh, have uh, thought about volunteering for a tournament or wondering what that experience is like, but it's particularly fun when a tournament comes to your home course. That's pretty special. That's the reason of all, absolutely a good reason to volunteer. And we have many other clubs are volunteering as well. I think there are a total of 1,300 marshals, and they're scattered all over the golf course. So Western Golf Club, I won't go into them all, but Putterham, the local course next door to us, um, a lot of people helping out. It's been great. Well, we know that the volunteers are what make uh, these tournaments run so smoothly. You've had a bird's eye view to uh, the you know toughest uh, finishing hole, watching uh, those guys avoid that humongous bunker that faces them coming into the 18th green. Uh, what what have you been able to see up close? Well, it's funny. Um... It, that that bunker, people make a lot of it. Yes, it's got a steep lip on it, but the 18th green, depending where they put the pin, it's not a very hard, hard shot. It depends how the ball runs out after you hit it. But you can, you can make mistakes, but I haven't seen a big mistake in 18 as yet. Um, and it's, it's a great golf hole, but there's a backdrop on 18. It runs from the back to the front of the green, so you can actually use the back slope and hit a little bit past the pin, and it will come back down the hill. And that's really exciting to watch when they do it. The routing of this championship course is, is quite unique. There are 27 holes at the country club. You have what they call the main course, which right. is a combination of two nines, correct? The Clyde and Squirrel? Is that Very good. You've yeah. done your homework. Absolutely. We know the squirrel is part of the logo, and uh, there were yes. there were stuffed squirrels everywhere in the merchandise tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then there's the Primrose Course, which is an executive course that was added on. It was built in 1927. And so as we've been learning, for the for the championship course, or what they call the composite, they use some of the holes from the primrose and yes. mesh them with the with the original course. Yeah, they take four holes. Primrose one and two become one hole, and then Primrose eight is the monster 620-yard par five that goes uphill at the end. And then we use Primrose nine, which is playing as nine in this rotation. This is the same rotation that Francis we met played. They haven't, they didn't use it in '99. This is the first time they've used it in big competition for this. The other addition is they removed a hole and put yep. in the par three eleventh, which uh, exactly. has been getting a lot of attention, even though it's a, a short hole of 130 yards. It was an absolutely brilliant decision because that, that hole is so much fun to watch these guys hit into. As you said, it's a very short hole. It is downhill, and there's nothing but trouble all around it. And when Gil Hans did the redesign of all the greens, he tried to put them all back to their original size, which is still not very big, as you noted earlier. But there are some pin locations on that green. I haven't seen where it is yet today that are just diabolical, and you can get in a lot of you can three putt, and you can actually putt off that green now. It is, so. it is just one of the most beautiful holes. It just reminds you of a classic Norman Rockwell landscape. The quintessential par three, I think you could say. It looks so short, but these guys just kind of shake their heads when they when they go to <laughs> pull a club, right? Um, yeah, we all saw Scotty Scheffler. He hit perfectly in the middle of the green, but the green was so firm, it just bounced right over. And now he's in real trouble. 
Well, so. firm, firm and fast greens are really going to be the key today for sure. Would you say is the, the toughest hole? What, what plays the toughest hole for the members, and will that be the same for the pros out there today? There are a bunch of them. Uh, um, that's a really tough question, Holly. They, seven, which is six, the, par, the other par three, longest par three, has been playing really difficult. And then uh, number two is a par four for the members, but it's a long par three for these guys. And again, completely surrounded except for a small opening in the front of the green with bunkers and fescue. seems that the toughest holes have come right out of the gate, Davis. You know, one through four, you know, these you're going to see how the round's going to unfold by how these players get through those first first four or five holes. Yeah, if any of the leaders can get under par on one of those four holes and take it, they can make some money after that as well. So you're right. That'll be a really good thing to watch, and it will tell probably tell the story. Well, I know you've got some fairly notable members at the country club, in, uh, in, including uh, Tom Brady himself, who used to own a house on the course. Is that true? Yeah, he was on the Primrose, and actually Giselle was the member. I think they thought that would be easier. Uh -huh. um, he had a lot of friends at the club, and, you know, so the membership can be funny. Uh, they, I think people had visions of an entourage following around every time he came to the club. It was never the case. And, you know, he, he lived right so close by, he could walk over from his home. And you see he, he, and, his, he and his wife and the two kids running along the, the parkway, the walkways, and, you know, nobody bothered him. <laughs> so... You got a lot yeah, of that's some, some fun members. You know, I think he's enjoyed it. I'm pretty sure he's still a member as well. How, how many members do you have? How many total members we have? We try to keep it around 900 active. Uh, we probably have about 250 non-resident. We have some clergy, uh, military, and then we have, and that doesn't include wives, kids, spouses, significant others. So it's it's a it's a pretty big community, but we have a good-sized property with a lot. You can do things year-round at the country club. That's what makes it so unique. You can ice skate and go curling. Um, we have indoor tennis in the winter as well, and um, it's a great place to walk in the wintertime, um, and the food is great, and the, the, the employees make the place. It's, it's like a second home for me. Well, you we have the great we have the greatest employees on the planet. Well, you segued right into my next topic, which uh, a guy uh, who probably is your most famous uh, employee who's been getting a lot of attention this week is uh, Fernando, the bartender. Figueroa, yes, indeedy, and well-deserved. He's, um, he's been with us for, I think, 32 years, and his wife, Arminda, is the head of housekeeping, and they have two great kids, and Fernando is just beloved. I mean, everybody knows who he is. And he's the only one that can make a signature cocktail called the Fernando, which is, is, is a really good drink. Well, what I found most interesting about his story is that he's, he's not a drinker. He's never had a drink. No. Didn't even know yeah. what alcohol was. He had no idea. He's, he had, they, they were serving this drink they called a rum float, and Fernando noticed it wasn't very popular, so he got permission to see if he could play around with the recipe, and he sure did. And a buddy of mine, George Carroll, we were the first ones to taste it, and we both went, okay, Fernando, this is going to be on the map very quickly, and it's a really popular cocktail. You've got a lot of Yeah, they created a fast lane for Fernando um, <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> I remember Ted. <laughs> it was hysterical. How did he end up uh, coming to the country club? His wife was there first, and I think they got Fernando in, if I remember correctly, and he became the head of the locker building pretty quickly, and that's his job today, and just a wonderful man. Well, I think that says something about the club. You would think the oldest country club in the United States might be a, a touch 
stuffy, if you will, Davis, but sounds like it's very, very much a, a family-oriented club. And you have a terrific caddy program there. Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Three generations that sometimes are out there. It's, it's amazing. And when you bring a guest over here, a lot of people have never played with a caddy before. And as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, with so many blind shots, they're all pretty good golfers, most of them. And they know how to play the course because they're allowed to play it. So if you take a caddy as a guest and you've never seen this place before, they can navigate you around pretty successfully. They tell you where to hit it, how much club to hit. And usually the, the really good caddies, the ones that have been there the longest time, they can watch a guest hit play one or two holes, and they'll just start clubbing. They'll just hand them a club and say, hit this one. <laughs> There's no more fun way to play golf than with the caddy. Well, they've, they've talked a lot about these blind shots, but it was interesting. I was in a little press conference with the 1988 U.S. Open champion, Mr. Curtis yeah. Strange. He said, once you've played a blind shot, it's no longer a blind shot, and these guys ought to know what they're doing. They do. <laughs> and plus, as you know, their caddies walk this course several times before they ever play it. And they make little notations in the yardage books, and they know exactly where their guys should hit it. Obviously, they know how long their guys can hit it. And so they, they help the guys get around that way, too. As a father, uh, Davis, uh, do you have a fond memory of, of being out on, on the golf course on, on Father's Day? I've been, yeah, when my dad was alive, we'd go out on Father's Day, or my Uncle Hunter, who was a, probably a good golfer. My grandmother was, the eternal grandmother was the best golfer in the family. And um, I got many memories of playing golf with dad. That's how I became a member. I just, I fell in love with the place. As a kid, I never really played much. I played the swimming pool and did other things, but never really played that much golf, except maybe occasionally on the Primrose, which is where most of the families take their kids at third nine, um, which is fun. That is so special. I took my daughter out, I think it was on Father's Day, she was about six or seven years old, and I got her some U.S. kids came out with kids clubs, which was a great invention, instead of sawing down a, a big set of golf clubs. Katie <laughs> Rowley, she was hysterical, she loved the golf cart, of course, she wasn't allowed to drive it, but I, I didn't always um, obey that rule, so we'd go out in the primrose, and, and she uh, her first swing... Um, she looked at it. I made a diglet, not a divot, a diglet. I went, oh my god, okay, I'm gonna remember that one forever. A so, diglet, I love a it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Davis, I know you've got to get to the golf course. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the Golf Insiders. Well, thank you for inviting me. I love talking about it, so I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.